subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I had always prided myself on my not. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. College of Predators in the Wild. 
For years, I'd been a park ranger, tracking and studying the behaviors of animals in their natural habitat. I had seen all manner of creatures, from the majestic grizzly bear to the elusive mountain lion. But nothing had prepared me for what was about to happen. It started out innocently enough. I was out on my usual patrol, checking traps and looking for signs of wildlife. The sun was setting, and I was getting ready to head back to camp when I heard a rustling in the bushes. My first thought was that it was a deer or maybe a coyote, but as I approached I realized it was something much more dangerous. The creature was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was about the size of a large dog, but its body was covered in thick black fur. Its eyes were a bright glowing red, and its teeth were long and razor, sharp. I knew right away that this was not a predator I had encountered before. I drew my weapon, but before I could fire, the creature was upon me. It moved with lightning, fast speed, dodging my shots, and attacking with incredible ferocity. I was forced to use all of my training and experience to stay alive, but no matter what I did, the creature always seemed to be one step ahead. For days I tried to track the creature, but it always eluded me. It seemed to be getting bolder, coming closer and closer to camp each night. I knew I had to do something before it was too late. I reached out to the government for help, and soon a team of scientists arrived at the park. They told me that they had been tracking the creature for years, but they had never been able to capture it. They believed it was some sort of genetic mutation, a predator that had evolved to be the ultimate hunter. I worked with a scientist to come up with a plan to capture the creature. We set traps and bait, but every time we thought we had it, the creature would slip away. It was like it could read our minds, anticipate our every move. In the end, the creature just vanished into the wilderness. I was left shaken and scarred, wondering if I would ever feel safe in the park again. I am Mark, an FBI agent, and I work at a secret facility in Yosemite National Park. Our team's focus is researching paranormal encrypted activity. Our work is top secret, and we are sworn to secrecy, even to other government agencies. One day, while on the job, I discovered something shocking. I was reviewing surveillance footage from one of our experiments when I noticed a strange figure in the background. At first I dismissed it as a glitch in the system, but then I saw it again. It was Bigfoot. My heart raced as I watched the footage, trying to process what I was seeing. This couldn't be happening. Bigfoot was a myth, a legend, and yet there it was, captured on our cameras. I knew that I had to report this to my superiors, but I hesitated. What if they thought I was crazy? What if they silenced me or worse? But I couldn't keep this to myself. It was too important. I went to my supervisor and showed him the footage. He was shocked, but didn't seem surprised. He told me that Bigfoot had been a part of one of our experiments, but it had escaped months ago. They had been searching for it ever since. I was outraged. How could they keep this from us? How could they let something like Bigfoot roam free in the park, potentially harming innocent people? I decided to take matters into my own hands. I grabbed my gear and headed into the woods, determined to find the creature and bring it back to the facility. As I searched, the woods grew darker and eerier. 
The trees seemed to close in around me, and I couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching me, but I pressed on, following any sign of the creature's tracks. Finally, I spotted it. Tegfoot was standing in front of me, towering over me with its massive frame. Its eyes glowed in the darkness, and its breath was heavy with anticipation. I tried to speak to it to calm it down, but it was too late. Bigfoot charged at me with incredible speed and strength. I pulled out my gun and shot it, but it didn't stop. It didn't stop. It kept coming, and I knew that I was in trouble. We battled for what felt like hours until finally I managed to wound it enough to escape. I stumbled back to the facility, my heart racing and my body exhausted. I reported my unsuccessful hunt to my supervisor. My superiors were shocked when I showed them my wounds. They were in shock because they'd been searching for him for months, and no one was closer than me in capturing it or killing it. Some colleagues even said that I was lying. Now I was really determined to find that creature. It was a dark and quiet night at the remote campground where I worked as a ranger. Having been on the job for over a year, I'd grown used to the eerie sounds that filled the forest at night. However, this particular night was different. I could hear strange, unearthly howls echoing through the woods as I sat in my small cabin. Although I had heard animal sounds before, these howls were unlike anything I had ever heard. They seemed to come from a large and powerful creature, and they sent shivers down my spine. Despite my fear, I knew it was my job to investigate. So I grabbed my flashlight and set out into the woods. As I made my way deeper into the forest, the howls grew louder and more frequent. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, and I soon found evidence that my instincts were correct. Large paw prints were scattered throughout the campground and the trees were scratched and broken in a way that could only have been caused by a powerful creature. My fear grew as I realized that I was not alone in the woods. I knew that something was stalking me, and I had no idea what it could be. I tried to radio for backup, but the signal was weak and I couldn't get through. As the night wore on, the howls grew louder and closer. I realized that I was being hunted, and I was running out of options. I tried to find a place to hide, but the creature seemed to be one step ahead of me at every turn. Finally, I found myself backed up against a tree, with a creature looming over me. It was larger than any animal I had ever seen, with glowing eyes and razor-sharp teeth. I knew that I was no match for the creature and prepared for the worst, but just as the creature lunged forward, I heard the sound of gunshots. The creature let out a deafening howl and fled back into the woods. I collapsed to the ground, gasping for air, and was soon surrounded by my fellow rangers. They had heard my radio distress signal, and had rushed to my aid. I was taken to the hospital, where I was treated for my injuries and given a few days off to recover. When I was seven or eight, and my brother five or six, our mom went to visit an old college friend somewhere in the Texas Hill Country. The house was totally filled with stuff, full-blown hoarder. My brother and I see a dry creek bed. We take off to explore and look for fossils, rocks, you name it. I remember it vividly. It was close to sunset. 
I just found a small conical shell fossil and was admiring and inspecting it when the most frightening noise pierced every cell in my body, mountain lion scream. I immediately look at my brother. His face had the expression of terror as did mine. I said we have to get out of here now. I ended up dropping my fossil as we ran back to the house as fast as possible. I will never forget that sound. A place way out in West Texas, my wife and I camp, it is riddled with mountain lion sign. Footprints everywhere and scat. After exploring and hiking this area, I realized it is literally the perfect spot for them. Plenty of food, water, shelter, and it's extremely remote and difficult to access. The spring that flows up out of the rock holds supports many large cottonwood trees, tall grasses, and all the other desert plant species for the length of the canyon. It's not a place I would go for a nighttime stroll. Cats could ambush you with ease any time you're walking in one of the thousands of arroyos. On the coast where I live, bioluminescence lights up the surf during the summer when conditions are right, and when they are right, the fishing is usually stellar. One night when the surf was calm, as it can be my buddy and I were shark fishing, I was kayaking out of bait about 400-500 yards. Every paddle stroke was lighting up bright green. That night was one of the brightest bioluminescent shows I've seen. As I'm paddling and looking at the biolight show I'm creating at the biolight show, I'm creating, I see something else lighting up the surface as well and heading straight towards me. In the bright moonlight, I can see a dorsal fin cutting through the water. Oh, fuck. No, no, no. This isn't happening. I'm a sitting duck. I'm a sitting duck, only a small knife and paddle to defend myself. I start paddling as fast as I can in hopes I can beat it to shore. Impossible. As it gets nearer and nearer to the point that I'm about to have to wrestle a shark, I hear a blast of air, the exhale and hail of a dolphin. It turns a few feet away from me and heads off. I still paddled my ass back to shore in a hurry. We ended up catching some nice sharks at night. I've seen lights in the night sky on two different occasions that none of us that saw them can determine. Pretty bizarre. Both instances the lights looked close, as in well within the lower atmosphere. I am a Native American, born and raised in a small village in the heart of the forest of Dakota. As an elder, I was happy that I lead one of the most peaceful tribes in Midwest. But all of that changed one fateful day when my son was taken from me. It was a warm summer evening, and my son and I were out gathering berries when we heard a strange noise. We didn't think much of it at first, but when I heard a branch cracking behind us, we turned and saw it. A monstrous creature with glowing eyes and sharp claws. It grabbed my son, punched me in the face, and disappeared into the woods. Before I could even react, I just fell unconscious. I spent whole my life searching for my son's killer, but to no avail. As I grew older, I continued my search, spending every waking moment in the forest, hoping to catch a glimpse of the monster that had taken my son. Decades passed, and I began to lose hope. I was an old man now, and my body was tired and worn, but I refused to give up. I knew that finding the monster that had taken my son was the only way to bring me peace. One day, as I was walking through the woods, I saw a flicker of movement out of the corner of my eye. 
I turned to face it and found myself face to face with the creature that had haunted my dreams for decades. It was unreal. It looked same as decades before. At first, I was filled with rage and fury. I'd spent my whole life searching for this monster, and now I had finally found it. But as I looked into its eyes, something strange happened. I saw a glimmer of sadness and pain, and I realized that this creature was not the same as the creature I saw in my youth. As I was analyzing him, he just roared and disappeared into woods. I spent the rest of my days living in the forest, trying to find a creature that had once been my enemy. In the end, I realized that my quest for vengeance had been misplaced. The true meaning of life is not to seek revenge, but to find peace and understanding. And in that sense, I had finally found what I had been searching for all along. I never expected to find something like that in the woods. As a park ranger, I had seen my fair share of wild animals, but this was unlike anything I had ever encountered before. I was out on patrol checking the trails when I heard a low growling sound. At first I thought it might be a bear or some other large predator, but as I got closer I realized that it was coming from something much more sinister. There, in a clearing, I saw an injured animal lying on the ground. It was a large creature with fur as black as night and eyes that glowed in the darkness, but it wasn't any animal I had ever seen before. It was a monstrous hybrid of few wildlife animals. At first I was hesitant to approach it, I had heard stories from you of creatures like this, stories of their ferocity and their strength, but something in me compelled me to help it. I brought the creature back to the station, where I could care for it. I tended to its wounds, trying to keep it calm and comfortable. And as the days went by, something strange began to happen. The creature began to heal at an alarming rate, its wound closing up almost as fast as I could treat them. But as it grew stronger, it became clear that it was not a normal animal. It was intelligent, almost human-like, and it seemed to be studying me, watching my every move. I knew I needed to find a way to safely contain it, to keep it from causing harm to anyone else. But as I tried to figure out a plan, the creature turned on me. I'll never forget that night. I was alone in the station, finishing up some paperwork when I heard a noise coming from the holding area. I went to investigate, but as I opened the door, the creature attacked me. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. Its strength was immense, its speed and agility unmatched. It tore through the station like it was made of paper, destroying everything in its path. I fell from injuries and the creature just escaped into the woods. Next day I spent my time searching for this creature, but I never found it again. I know that you think this is B.S., but I have no incentive in lying to you. Thank you for letting me tell this story. A couple years ago, back when I'm high school, a group of us decided... Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. ...to go camping by a river where we live. We could drink down there and not get in trouble. We, we set up a tent and stayed up late drinking. Had a fire going, let it burn down, and got in the tent to go to sleep. We were awoken in approximately 3-4 in the morning. The uh, sound of really loud splashing in the water. Imagine taking long strides in a foot of water. That's what it sounded like, but the water is at least four foot deep. We shined our flashlights out the window, too scared to actually get out of the tent, didn't see anything. And the sound stopped, so we choked it up to being a deer running by. Half asleep. The sound happened again. We all murmured with the F at the same time shined our lights again, this time reading out. Now this is in the Great Plains area. We all grew up here in our major outdoors. People hunting, fishing, hiking you, name it. So we're used to the wilderness and are completely comfortable in it. But something about this was so odd. If it were a deer, our talking and lights would have ran it off. It happened one more time, and I was tired and severely angry at this point, so I got out, shined the light around, didn't see anything, got the fire going, and stayed up the rest of the night, scanning the waters. About 15 years ago, I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time, living the carefree young adult life. You know, just two guys having a great time. We were in a warm country, no carefully filled itinerary whatsoever, just living in the moment, doing whatever we felt like. My friend, who originally came from Spain, still had family there, which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation. A roof over our head, a working bathroom with fresh showers and three meals a day if we liked. They also gave us a spare key so we could come and go just as we liked. During the day, we often went swimming to keep us as cool as possible, and during the evenings we often explored the city, went for drinks, or went to a club. On a certain day, somewhat more to the end of our month, long stay there, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out for a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers. The burning summer sun, too many beers, and the wavy feeling of being out on the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness for both my friend and me. His uncle, though it was funny, though, after having had an afternoon rest, or as they called it, siesta, and a very fulfilling late-night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us. However, we didn't take many as we were still feeling a bit grog from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, 
no clouds, little to no light pollution, making the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, it was a perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life, about what we'd like to achieve one day, about what was worth it or what wasn't. If there were any other intelligent life out there, if we would live for another 1,000 years or not, the crashing of the waves against the sand of the beach and the rocks was very calming and was lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist. There was no outside world, no life with responsibilities, no obligations, no expectations, no working hard to get somewhere. It was that moment we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand of the beach sounded different, harder, like something was moving in it. Under the waves, a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline, it started to get the shape of a dog. We both looked at each other and noticed we'd been holding our breaths for about a minute. It took the dog to crawl from the sea to the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from, though? There's no one around, and we never saw any dog go into the sea. Neither was there any dog swimming around. It came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious. And actually, that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog I had ever seen. As it was crawling along the beach, solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked the size of a small horse but in the shape of a dog or wolf with matted fur. It had very present bony joints in its knees and elbows and walked a bit awkwardly. My friend and I were debating if we should follow the beast and decided we did actually want to find out what exactly it was. I took out my phone and started to film it, for as far as any 2008 smartphone could film in the dark. By the time we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and disappeared in it. We saw it had left a track and decided to follow that into the dunes. We weren't prepared for what we saw next, though. The beast had left a track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoof prints in a straight line instead of a crisscross pattern, as with any four-legged animal. No horse could have walked in such a line, and even though it had looked like the size of a horse, it hadn't looked anything like the shape of a horse. Neither were horses aquatic animals. We followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune when we saw the beast standing about ten meters from us, in a speck of moonlight. It didn't look anything like a dog, either. It looked like it had the lower half of a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just the dimensions were off, the shapes were awkward. It was such a big animal neither of us could place under any existing animal we knew of with matted fur and bony joints that had just come out of nowhere from under the water but clearly could walk and survive on the land as well, left hoof marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind the beast and had given away our presence, it slowly started to turn its head towards us. While it was turning towards us, it stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water as well as could survive on the land and walk on four legs, it could clearly stand and walk very well on two legs as well. 
The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs and must have been around 25 meters big. It stared at us with red glowing eyes. These were not to be mistaken with the eyes of any nocturnal animal with reflective eyes. These were actually glowing from within. I felt stuck in my spot, completely frozen. But luckily my friend, who was two steps behind me, had the mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour, but must have been closer to ten minutes because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it. The beast hadn't followed us, or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle. Of course, he thought, we must have been still drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't there. But when we showed him the recording, he went pale. He took a shovel. A gun would have been more impressive against a beast like that. But it's not like the average European just has guns lying around and asked us to show us where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours but didn't find the beast again. However, we did find the hoof marks, albeit a bit washed up because of the current of the sea. We went back home trying to make something of what we had just seen, but couldn't. We needed to know what animal we had just seen. We started googling all kind of things. Of course, with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat, we stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil, which we discarded. We had seen an actual live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet and wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks, one straight line, that we stumbled upon the term the devil's footprint. So it was an actual thing, or at least something that had supposedly been seen before, according to myths and stories. But they must have had some truth to them since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eyes. The few days we had left in Spain, we spent our nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find the beast again, but to no purpose as we never saw it again. When I came home a few days later, I saved the recording on my hard drive, not sure what to do with it yet. I didn't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil, because I still don't believe I did. I just want to know what animal this was, and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. I tried to forget about it, but couldn't, and a year later I decided I wanted to publish the recording in the hope anyone could make any sense of what we had seen that night. The uncle of my friend hadn't seen the beast in all that time, and had asked around in the town if anyone had ever seen it, which they didn't. I had switched phones by then, but luckily I had the recording saved on my desktop, where I had replayed it at least a thousand times. I booted up my desktop, and something was wrong. I had to restart my desktop a couple of times, and after booting it up in safe mode, I got the message my hard drive had crashed. I tried whatever was possible to try, but I couldn't recover the recording in any way. Fifteen years later, I'm still breaking my head over what the beast we encountered could have been. But by now, it's a story my friends believe to be for making conversation. Only that friend and his uncle are still branded by the experience as well. My friend even took it so far to go live in Spain again, near the beach where it all happened and still continues to actively look for the beast to this day. Maybe one day he'll find it. When I was a teenager and in my early 20s, university, I had quite a lot of unexplained experiences. I didn't have anyone to guide me on how to hone my sensitivities, so I think I was left open to be vulnerable. 
Among other things, I was often visited in dreams visions by the so-called hat man. I always understood him to be not of God, not Satan himself, but definitely something coming from that realm. I had a few encounters with him, no face, just a dark silhouette with a hat and overcoat, and often accompanied by small demons. And often accompanied by small demons, in most cases, these visions were extremely long ordeals and often would result in testing my... There was one time, I was probably around 18, in which I was in a rather surreal landscape, very much like a Dali painting. Not actually a Dali painting, but that kind of atmosphere. There was a moving staircase that was made of innumerable, oddly shaped objects. Some were geometric. Others were everyday objects and all sort of moving in the same fashion as an escalator works. I was placed upon this thing and I was well, required to ascend it. And it was not easy because the various objects were not connected to each other, but they were firmly in position. So I was able to support my body where stepping on them like going up a flight of stairs. However, everything was in motion. The staircase also moved higher into the air and further away from the, I guess it was a sort of desert down before, clearly an unpleasant place. I seem to recall a very ruddy, dusty coloration of everything. The objective was to ascend the staircase and do everything to not fall between the cracks. And the only way to ascend was through my faith in God. I remember it being arduous and frightening. I was constantly calling out to angels and to God to help me. The hat man always just there silently watching the little laughing imps beneath grabbing up at my ankles. Every so often I'd miss my footing but then got back on again. I don't know how long it lasted but it felt like an extremely long time. Another episode he took me to an old Victorian styled house. It was nighttime, but there was an unidentified exterior light source, a sort of yellow-orange glow. That man was always able to communicate to me, but not through words. I never felt direct fear in his presence, but I was fearful whenever he would appear because I knew he was bad, and that I would have to submit to another intense ordeal. For years after, I would get anxious just thinking about him. But over time, and seeing that so many other people have experienced him in guises, has helped me to relax about it. Anyway, in this house full of old objects much like you would find in a good quality antique store, I was handed this sort of goblet chalice that had five spherical encasings within it, about the size between a golf and tennis ball. I was made to understand that I would have to dodge a series of objects whilst catching five orbs into their specific places within the chalice. This is before I knew anything about Harry Potter and Quidditch, but you can sort of imagine it like having five snitches to catch. It was an exhausting ordeal, not in the least bit frightening, but I was besieged with tiny flying demons various objects in these orbs. I have no idea what they were exactly or what they were made of were hard to catch. I ultimately caught three of five and was made to feel as though I hadn't done well enough, but just enough for the time being. There was another element of testing my faith in this episode, and I remember the next day speaking to a friend about it, who worshipped in a Pentecostal church and had the gift of the discernment of spirits. I am Catholic, but we often shared this kind of gift in a sense of prophecy. 
There were other Hatman episodes when I was young which were more terrifying, but I have less recollection of their exact nature. After I witnessed the demon attached to a girl I went to school with, I made a post about it in one of the forums. Combined with a desire to no longer see Hatman, I closed down those receptors. Haven't seen him or any demon since.